0: Let me know if you've ever said this line before or thought this line. It's probably easier if I just do it myself. Anybody? We've got a few honest people here. We often think this, right? Whether it's helping someone with their homework, putting a tractor back together, or teaching someone how to garden, it's often easier if we just do it ourselves than trying to communicate instructions and expectations to others. As silly as it sounds, communication is hard work. It takes a lot of work to try to explain something that you just know how to do than to try to show someone else. But even then, communicating is just one piece in the matter. It's a whole other thing to entrust someone with the task that you've just communicated to them. It's far easier if we just do it ourselves than to deal with the uncertainty of whether or not it will actually get done. There are times, though, when we aren't really given the choice. This week, we've been praying for a number of people who have been undergoing surgeries, and they didn't really have the choice whether or not to trust their doctors. They were kind of forced on it by their aching joints. But as much as they may have tried to spare their knees and their hips, they got to the point where they just needed to be replaced. And so they trusted their surgeons. The surgeons trusted the anesthesiologists The anesthesiologists trusted the anesthesia, and now they trust their physical therapists to push them just far enough, but not too far, so that they can get as close to normal again as possible. And the list goes on. What happens, though, when people fail to do the job that they've been entrusted to do? What happens if the doctor fails during surgery? What happens if the anesthesiologist fails applying the the anesthesia? What happens if a paper boy fails to deliver the paper? Or if parents fail to care for their child? If a farmer fails to plant a crop? If a pastor fails to preach the word of God? Obviously, there are consequences to each one of these, some more serious than others. During the time of the prophet Ezekiel, the ones who were trusted with leading God's people had neglected to do their job. In Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord addresses the failure of these shepherds who are, supposed to, who are tasked with the care of taking care of the sheep. See how the Lord addresses these shepherds and the sheep in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16. And again, if you are able, I'll invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, reading in Jesus' name. This is what the word of God says. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. Father God, these are your words, and your word is true. We pray this morning that you would sanctify us in your truth. Lord, that you would apply these words to our hearts and our lives as necessary today. We thank you, God, for the promise that your word doesn't return back to you without first accomplishing the purpose for which you've sent it. So, Lord, accomplish your purposes and desires in our hearts and in our lives here this morning. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. While it's true that God cares for animals, as we looked at that in our Sunday school class in Jonah, the very last verse of Jonah explains that for us, but here in this text he's using a metaphor in a passage that's commonly used throughout Scripture. This metaphor of a shepherd and sheep, and we looked at that again this morning in Sunday school, and I said at that point, that's the only place in Scripture where this metaphor is used. And we just heard three other places here, so it's tricking you guys, I guess. But it's all throughout Scripture, this idea of, of a shepherd taking care of the sheep. The shepherd's job is to tend the sheep. And from what I know of shepherds, there are three types of shepherds. There are those that count their sheep, that can count their sheep, and there are those that can't count their sheep. That was a joke. It's okay. There, now it's sinking in. Three types of shepherds, there you go. Now, there are two types of shepherds. There are two types of shepherds, those who care for their sheep and those that don't really care for their sheep. And every shepherd can be fall into one of those two categories here. Using the metaphor of a shepherd and the sheep in Ezekiel chapter 34, God is calling out the shepherds of his people, the people that he is entrusted with the very important task of, of leading and feeding and nourishing, protecting, tending to, and caring for his sheep. And at the time of Ezekiel, unfortunately, throughout the time of of Israel and the time of the church today as well, and all throughout history, there have been shepherds who have neglected to care for the sheep, neglected their God-given responsibility, and have instead used their position, their power, their authority to pursue personal interests instead. Look back at verses 2 through 6 in this chapter. It says this, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. And diseased you have not healed and broken, you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of a field and were scattered. My flock wandered throughout all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. There was no one to search or seek for them. The shepherds here are just categorized by the Lord. Are these shepherds, shepherds who care for the sheep? No, they care only for themselves. They don't care for the flock of God that they have been entrusted to take care of and to tend to. Ezekiel witnessed firsthand the failure of Judah's leaders here. He himself was exiled to Babylon, and so he watched from afar as his country crumbled and was driven off into captivity nearly all of Judah's leaders were neglecting the sheep. The Lord had provided three types of leaders for his people, each with specific roles. As we remember, Israel's history had started out as a theocracy, meaning a a group of people, a country which God himself was ruling over. The people weren't content with that. They had prophets, they had judges, God was ruling over them. But the people demanded that they wanted to be like everyone else. And so they said to Samuel, Samuel, give us a king. We want a king. We want to be like everyone else. We want someone that we can follow into battle. So the Lord said, fine. You can have it that way. But I'm telling you, it's not going to bode well for you. And so the Lord gave them what they had asked for. He gave them a king. The king was supposed to lead God's people to himself and to watch over them and to protect them from harm and danger. Now, answer this question. Who can protect us from harm and danger better, an earthly king or the Lord himself? The Lord himself. Yet the people said, ah, we don't want that. We want this person and said we think he can do a better job. And true to form, this man that we have entrusted with watching over us, with protecting us, with guarding us, and prospering us, couldn't live up to those expectations, but also failed to do what God had called him to do. The Lord had also provided prophets to proclaim his word to his people. Remember, this was the days before the printing press. This was the days before Bible apps on our smartphones as well. They trusted what these prophets said. If the prophet of the Lord was there, they trusted that what they said was what the Lord had declared. The Lord also provided priests that would usher God's people into worship of the Lord and who would offer sacrifices to the Lord on their behalf. And there was a failure on every level of these leaders. The kings began to focus on alliances and, and protections, seeking to protect their people apart from the Lord. They focused on that rather than being faithful to the Lord. The prophets began to proclaim a message claiming to be of the Lord, but instead sounded a whole lot of what they wanted and what they wanted to hear and wanted to say and wanted to believe, apart from the Word of God. And the priests led people to worship false gods rather than to the one true God. There was no fear of God in the land, and so there soon became no respect for man. Each person did what he needed to do in order to get where he needed to be. And the sheep were left to fend for themselves, mostly. There were still a few faithful prophets proclaiming God's word, and Ezekiel is indeed one of those faithful prophets here. But they were drowned out by the voices of many other prophets saying exactly what you wanted to hear. Everything's fine. You're perfect just the way you are. You don't need to change. Don't worry about it. God loves you. And sin is no, doesn't matter anymore. Well, God has taken care of sin. The truth is God does call us from sin. As Benjamin read from First Peter, he's called us to die to sin and to live to righteousness and to follow him instead. The sheep were left to cruel masters who use them and abuse them for their own personal gain. That's the time of Ezekiel. In The time of us today, we still have shepherds that want to do that. Shepherds who will, will shepherd you, will take care of you only because of what you can give to them. Shepherds who aren't going to seek after the lost, who aren't going to bind up the brokenhearted, who will say, well, if you can't follow me, you're dead to me. I have nothing to offer you. I don't care about you shepherds who will begin to proclaim a message of their own rather than the message of God's word. What a blessing it is for us to be able to read and study God's word on our own to keep those spiritual leaders that God has placed over us in line and to call them to keep account for the ministry that God has called them to. Despite all the failures of the earthly shepherds here that were entrusted to take care of God's people, the Lord still says that he will take care of his sheep. The Lord himself never left the flock. And we see that in the judgment that he proclaims over these shepherds and he promised to remove them from their places of authority. verse 10 says, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will feed themselves, will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. The Lord promises to remove the shepherds from the sheep. And what happens when you leave sheep to themselves? For those who've raised sheep and have gone on vacation for a week, what happens when you come back and no one has been left to take care of them? It's kind of a bit like leaving a class of kindergartners unattended. Everything's fine when the teacher goes out just for five minutes, right? Or leaving toddlers for maybe two minutes. If you've been there, you know everything is not okay. Who knows what you'll return to? Only these kindergartners, these toddlers we're talking about here, these were people of all ages, these sheep. People of all ages. And something that is unique to us human beings, that's different from sheep, something that still applies to kindergartners and to everyone, whatever age or whatever side of or place on the spectrum of life you are, is true of us, is that we all come with hearts bent on evil. Don't we? We all come with hearts naturally inclined to turn away from God, to do what seems good to ourselves. We see what God's word says and we say, yeah, yeah, maybe that was good back then, but I know what's best now. And so I'll just go and do it my way for a bit. It's going to happen to these sheep who are intent on doing evil. These sheep without a shepherd. And then we come to our text today. And we see that these sheep aren't without a shepherd. They won't be without a shepherd. They will not be left to fend for themselves. But no, what we find in our text here is that the Lord himself will be their shepherd. He himself will take care of them. And this passage is more than God's good intentions toward us. It's more than how God feels towards us, but it's God's good promises to you. I myself will search for my sheep. I myself will seek them out. I will care for my sheep and I will deliver them. I will feed them. I will lead them to rest. I will seek the lost and bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. Who does the Lord say will do this? I myself. God does not leave his sheep to tend or fend for themselves. And this was a passage of tremendous comfort for the people in Ezekiel's day. Remember where Ezekiel is. He's in exile in Babylon, removed from his home. He's cut off from the land of promise. The land that was promised to God's people. And and as they were cut off from that land, from that physical boundary, they thought that they too were cut off from all of the promises and covenants of God. But God's word comes to Ezekiel and comes to God's people who are in exile and who would be soon in exile saying, God himself will search for his sheep and seek them out. Wherever they may be, near, far, and everywhere in between, the Lord will seek them out. And the question comes, how would he do this? Well, he's doing this through the words of Ezekiel. As Ezekiel proclaims the word of God, he does this through his word. He does it here through the prophets in the time of the Old Testament. He did it through his word when his word took on flesh and became man and dwelt among us. And as Jesus grew up and said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus himself even uses shepherd imagery. As we heard from the gospel reading, he calls himself the good shepherd. The good shepherd who tends the flock and seeks them out. And after Jesus' resurrection and ascension... The Holy Spirit continues this work, and Jesus continues to do this work as the word of God goes forth, calling, gathering, enlightening, and sanctifying us and the whole Christian church on earth as God continues to call people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation to himself. The Lord is still about this work today through the faithful proclamation of his word. Which, yes, comes through pastors, but it also comes through lay people. It comes through the sheep themselves as they proclaim how good a shepherd we have. What a comfort there is to know that Christ continues to search for his sheep. And not only does he promise to search for them, but he also promises to find them. Have you ever searched for something that you know you'll never find, not for too long, Right? Eventually you give up. I'm never going to find this. But if you know that you can find something, do you ever give up that search? Not until you find it. Christ promises us that he will find his sheep and he will search for them. All throughout our lives, Christ continues to search for us and to call us back to himself. And he continues to do that for each one of his sheep. I will care for my sheep, he says in verse 12. Have you ever felt left alone? Have you ever felt left to yourselves? As though no one really cares for you. Ironically and strangely, that feeling has only seemed to increase as we have more and more ways of staying in contact with one another. Especially as we see social media. We can see people interacting with others and longing for that social engagement that comes from behind a screen or behind a phone, whether it's a phone call or staring at a screen. And it can even come within a mailbox as we open up a mailbox, hoping that someone is reaching out to us, that someone cares for us, that just one day we won't get junk mail, we'll get something else. We open up the mailbox and all we get is a flyer, the disappointment that comes. And we can look at all different avenues of life where we feel alone. We feel as though no one really cares for us. When it doesn't come, there's a sense of sadness, a sense that no one really cares about me. And that's a normal response. And I would beg to guess that each one of us has been there time and time again. We ask the question do people really care about me? I haven't heard from my kids in however long. I haven't heard from my parents in however long. I haven't heard from my neighbors. I haven't heard from my friends. All of these different things. Do people care about me? If no one else will tell you, yes, yes they do. And here in Scripture we have the word of God saying that he himself cares for you. And his care, again, is more than mere affection toward you, though he does have that too. It's an active, providential care. As a shepherd provides for the sheep, allowing the sheep to eat, drink, to rest, to be merry. God takes care of you. He takes care of your physical needs and your spiritual needs, your emotional and relational as well. And I'll pause here to bring out an important point. How does God provide these things for us? Well, God could just snap his fingers and boom, all of our feelings and satisfactions are, are satisfied and they all go away, that isn't the way that he normally acts. He doesn't act immediately in that way. And when I say immediately, I mean without that of a mediator. Just snapping your hands and boom, there it is. But God takes care of you through others. God takes care of you through flesh and blood people. Through those that we are seeing right now, God takes care of you. God takes care of you through his son. Yes, even through his flesh and blood, as we'll get to partake of that in just a little bit. But he takes care of us through others, those he's placed in our lives. Bosses, parents, government, pastors, teachers, friends, neighbors, doctors, nurses, lawyers, bankers, spouse, kids, the list can go on. God has given us relationships. He has given us people to tend to us, to care for us. And behind those scenes is God himself providing for our needs. And when each of these will fail in their God-given task to care for you, and each one of these will at some point fail because we are fallen human beings, then God is graciously still there and sovereignly caring for you. I will feed you, he says. This is feeding is both physical and spiritual. As we look and we pray that God would provide our daily bread and we see that he does in fact do that and we ask the question, what does this mean by daily bread? We're pointed to everything that is given to us to meet our physical needs. Whether it's food or clothing, house or home, fields and flocks, money and goods. For parents who raise us in the faith, for children. And for servants, for godly and faithful rulers, for good government, for seasonable weather, for peace and health, order and honor, true friends, good neighbors, and the like. All of these things God is the one providing for us. But he also feeds us spiritually with everything we need for life and salvation. He's given to us his word first and foremost. He's given to us spiritual leaders who could take all different kinds of shapes, whether it's friends who are walking alongside you and and encouraging you with God's word, whether it's pastors who proclaim God's word to you, whether it's parents who raise you up in the way you should go, or grandparents who come alongside their grandchildren and raise them in the faith as well, or friends and neighbors. God is leading us and feeding us with his word. He's provided us again with his spirit. He's provided us with the bread of life. As Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread that both gives and sustains life. He nourishes and satisfies our souls, filling them with forgiveness and giving to us his holiness and his righteousness and leading us to rest in him. Which is what he says in verses 14 and 15 here. He will lead us to rest. Are any of you tired? Did any of you use a day off or a break? Maybe just a chance to just exhale for a change without hearing news of some kind of tragedy hitting this world that we live in. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Well, take heart. The Lord provides that rest. And here's something that I struggle with at times. Understanding that the Lord can take care of this world and He doesn't need my help. Things are going to be okay if I take a day off and I rest, if I turn the phone off for a bit, the world's going to continue to spin. God is continue will continue to be the shepherd leading us into rest. Do we trust him with that? Trust him enough to say, God, you can do it without me, at least for this day. God is a shepherd who provides for us, who goes before us, who saves us and redeems us and has promised to feed us so that we are able to find rest. So often we take the burden upon ourselves that things aren't going to get done unless I just do it myself. But can we trust God to do it? While we aren't given permission to be lazy or negligent here, we are promised that we can rest in Him. In a world that's constantly demanding more and more of your time and your attention and your energy each and every day, God promises you rest. Know how much we need that rest. He promises to take care of you. So you don't need to fret. You don't need to work yourself down to the bone either because God will take care of you. For the parents struggling to get their kids to listen, God will take care of you. And God will take care of them. To the farmer wondering when the weather will ever cooperate or your equipment will ever cooperate, God will take care of you. To the one who is anxious about what tomorrow will bring, Whether it's a doctor's appointment or whatever else it might be, God will take care of you. To the one unsure of their standing before the throne of God, when that time comes, will I be good enough? God, the good shepherd, will take care of you. For all of these things, God has promised to shepherd us, and he has given to us his son, Jesus Christ, who seeks us out, cares for us, feeds us with his flesh, leads us to rest, and promises also to heal. In verse 16, and here's one of the most beautiful and comforting promises that each one of us needs. The Lord will heal. <clears throat> yeah, that can be physical healing, as he is that great physician who, oftentimes, who will heal. It might take a lot longer than we want, but he does indeed heal. But each one of us has also been wounded and broken, haven't we? And maybe some of us are wounded and broken even now. What is it that we're broken by? What is it that we have been wounded by? Have you been scattered by the church? Scattered by shepherds who should have been taking care of you? Or a flock that should have been coming alongside of you and instead nip at your heels or bite at you or, or seek to use and abuse you? As an institution or as individuals, have you been scattered by the church? Have you been deeply wounded by those who should have brought healing to you? Here's the promise, the Lord will heal you. Maybe it's not others that have broken you, but maybe you've brought that brokenness upon yourself by trusting in a God of your own making or trusting in your own route to perfection and holiness rather than submitting to the care of the shepherd. The Lord will heal you. Are you weak and unsure about the ability of this shepherd to take care of our needs? Christ will heal your doubts as well. He will care for you. He will bring you back. Jesus is the good shepherd and he is the guardian of your soul. He has promised to care for his sheep and he has given his life to do just that. Brothers and sisters, we have a shepherd that we can trust. A shepherd who is good and who seeks after our good, who seeks good for us. His name is Jesus and he invites us to find rest, salvation, healing, and satisfaction in his watchful care. Even when those given to us care, given to care for us and to shepherd us fail, the Lord promises here in his word to deal with those shepherds, but also to deal with us, his sheep, to still be your shepherd. He cares for you. He seeks after you. He feeds you and sustains you. He will heal you, and he himself will give you rest.